Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast, Part B for three three twenty, or the third of March, year of our Lord twenty twenty. My soundbite is Numas. It just didn't want to fucking play. It's literally a video of a Trump supporter being tackled. Virginia Wesleyan University is under fire after video surfaced on social media showing a security officer confronting a man with a Trump flag. Mark Goring posted a video to Facebook Saturday showing that he says is him being tackled to the ground by a security guard. Goring said the incident happened as Bernie Sanders, a leading Democratic presidential contender, held a rally on campus. Today, at Bernie Sanders' rally, I was attacked by a security guard, tackled to the ground. I would have expected this from a Bernie supporter, but not from a guard. I was walking off ground and walking for that guy to slow. This is how your First Amendment rights are violated in today's universities. After I stepped out of the video, I run because the officer pulls his club. Goring described in a Facebook post, Sanders was scheduled to host a rally at 8 p.m. Campus Reform reached out to Goring for more details on what exactly occurred. He responded by saying, after I've spoken with a lawyer, I'll let you know. Well, I guess he spoke to the lawyer because today, and I got this late last night, uh, campus security tells Trump supporters Sanders rally, leave my property. And there's pictures. New video from outside of Bernie Sanders rally, Virginia, is a clear picture of what happened. A campus reform reported earlier Monday, Marcus Goring, the man carrying the Trump flag in the now viral video, was wrestled to the ground. One of the security officers shouts at Goring multiple times saying, leave. I'm not going to tell you again. You're not following my instructions. Nobody got to tell me to tell you to leave. The officer then tells Goring, you're on my property. This is private property. While WVU is privately a private university, the college advertises Sanders rally on the website open to the public. Shortly after the change, Goring appears to walk away from the building in which the line of people is waiting to enter. The security officer follows as he makes an effort exit. About halfway through the parking lot, an altercation breaks out when the security guard grabs Goring's Trump flag and wrestles him to the ground. Goring maintains that he did not exercise any violence leading up to the altercation, and the video does not show him making any physical violent moves. I'm not an aggressive person, he said to the local uh, wavy TV in Virginia Beach. As for what happened right before the officer grabbed the flag and wrestled him, Goring told the outlet, he approached me then from behind and rest is on video. I saw he was pulling a weapon, then I began to ran, run. Referring to the moment the officer pulls out his baton, I saw that getting up, and that's when I actually ran for my life. He walked behind you and kind of put his hands on your back and like, hurry up, hurry up, right? You kind of flip around and say, don't touch me, right? And that's when you get taken to the ground. Exactly, Groening says. 
So he walked out for illegally being kicked off the campus. He walked out, and the security, the security guard just cannot handle the fact that he's holding a Trump flag. The video circulating on social media shows a security officer engaged in altercation with a disruptive attendee in the parking lot prior to the rally. Unfortunately, the video does not depict the preceding action of the individual that necessitated the officer take action. Virginia Wesley University holds freedom of speech and open dialogue at the deepest core, but we kick motherfuckers off base because they fuck with Bernie Sanders. I'm telling you, dude, brown shirt rules. Get ready for it, man. I am not I, I am not being a tinfoil hat. If this motherfucker gets elected, and I'm not making him out to be the devil, I'm just saying he's a fucking socialist. I could see me driving down the road getting pulled over. You need to give us your keys. You can no longer drive a Jeep. This guy's crazy, dude. He's for socialism. That's what he believes. That the government could tell you how to take a dump. So, more to follow on this. I can't find the video and I can't get it to download. The dipshit put it on protect. Idaho students demand Starbucks offer free vegan milk that doesn't support animal abuse. There is no vegan milk. It's called almond milk, you dipshits. They do offer it, by the way. Students at University of Idaho stage a sit-in at a local Starbucks Wednesday protesting the coffee chain for penalizing people who want non-dairy milk options. The sponsoring organization, PETA, cheered the students as they filled the coffee house. Sit-in leader and local herbivore, President Kaylee Carr, spoke with Campus Forum saying that wanted to peacefully raise awareness about the fact that Starbucks is penalizing people for choosing a healthier drink option that doesn't support animal abuse and is better for the environment by charging extra for plant-based milk options. We're urging Starbucks to stop charging extra for vegan milks because Starbucks shouldn't be penalizing people choosing a healthier option that doesn't support animal abuse is better for the environment, she continued. Starbucks recently stated that they want to cut their carbon emissions as a company in half by 2030 and plan that includes encouraging customers to choose more of their plant-based options. However, they do not address the current plant-based milk surcharge. There are many coffee chains that have dropped their surcharges for plant-based milks, including Panera and Whole Foods. You fucking people. That's the other mafia. We got the LGBT mafia, we have the Bernie Bros, and we have these climate alarmists, man. It's it's a crazy world out there. UCLA, and here's your sign, bans all single-use plastic. The UCLA announced it will ban single-use plastics in order to reduce the universe's impact on the environment. The new policy will ultimately remove all single-use plastic ranging from cups and cup lids, plastic bags, utensils, bowls, and other food accessories. The goal for UCLA is to have every dine-in or take-out restaurant, dining hall, event, and even departmental meetings move away from plastics completely and begin using locally compostable and reusable alternatives. The biologically major, I've studied how crucial a healthy ocean is in fighting climate change, in carbon capture, biodiversity, and an ecosystem, said Junior Shatara Manan. What kind of fucking name is that? Chair of the Capel Ring Student USCLA Chapter. It's important that students that we take what we learn and use it, and I cannot do that starting here on this campus, helping reduce our plastic addition. The school, the school explains that a vision behind the policy changes to move away from common plastic water bottles and increase the number of water bottle dehydration systems. In addition, the university has already added hundreds of compost bins around campus and in washrooms with disposing paper towels. That's got to smell great. It'll be challenging, Kiki Wong, UCLA Zero Waste Coordinator addressed. (laughs) Zero Waste Coordinator. Man, 
I want that job. The zero waste car. Put it down. There are so many single-use plastic everywhere in our lives. We depend on it for convenience. But for the planet, this is the next step we have to take. According to the university, the change will take place and won't go into effect until July 1st. Yeah. NYU law students join the Drop Exxon campaign against law firm. I just, I'm going to paraphrase this article, not because we're short for time, because we just started this podcast, but this is the dumbest shit ever. They go to this huge law firm and they say, we're not going to work for you unless you stop working for Exxon. And they sat in the room and acted like they were just there for the briefing about this law firm, and then they drop, they, 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 well, they drop banners and say, drop Exxon. And I just started laughing, going, okay, there's a billion lawyers on the planet. We'll get somebody to do the job. You hurt our feelings. We can't hire you, a zealot who wants to be a lawyer that just goes around and fucking does bullshit. Instead of ambulance chasing, fucking fork chasing and carbon dioxide chasing. Great. Go work for fucking Greenpeace, you fucking Chia pets. Striking grad students demand higher pay. Just got the opposite. University of Santa Cruz. Oh, this just blew me away. Good for them. I gotta admit, this is big cojones for California. Announced Friday it will fire the graduate student assistants who went on strike to protest their pay. The move comes week after UCSC announces January that it did not have fall 2019 semester grades for 20% of the students. And we covered this a couple podcasts ago. And now UCSF for COLA. The dismissal of 54 grad students at USCS for their fight for living wage is outrageous and shameful. Let's show up and support and they're going to try to fucking still boycott and there's nothing to boycott. You don't work there. The administration put out an article, the missile of, uh, Okay, no, this is from this stupid organization. Sorry. The dismissal of 54 graduate student workers at the University of California, Santa Cruz, on Friday for the courageous and necessary fight for a living wage is outrageous. The call for cost of living adjustment would not only alleviate the financial burdens of the ever-rising cost of living in California, well, then move, dickheads. It's all your regulations that make it so expensive, you fucking moon bats. Uh, for current students, but would also open the door for the generations of new students to come who are otherwise unable to afford graduate school. As graduate students at the University of California, San Francisco campus have prides itself upon promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion, which costs us a lot of money because we keep building centers, we should show up and stand in solidarity for those who strike at the UCSC and other UC campuses. And for all the students without the financial means to pursue their dreams, let's join together on March 4th at noon to sit in at both UCSF campuses... Pamasas UCF Library Entrance, Mission Bay, Genuine Hall Entrance, to show that we are united in our fight. We recognize that UCSF graduate students of basic sciences do not have the same circumstances as those at UC campuses. Blah, blah, blah. Please share the word. Come do a sit-in. And here comes Bernie Sanders walking down the bunny trail. This is disgraceful. All the workers deserve the right to bargain and strike with better wages and benefits. To Janet Napolitano and UCSC, stop this outrageous union busting and negotiation in good faith. That's my Bernie Sanders. Not bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he was on this shit. Because he's a fucking moonbat, too. Brown shirts. I'm telling you, I'm going to start a podcast uh, this weekend, and I'm going to have a new thing, brown shirt. I'm just going to look for brown shirt shit. Because we got Chris Matthews, brown shirted. Uh, fucking black dude on an MSDNC, brown shirt, brown shirted. He's just brown shirting the fuck out of shit. 
And that is going to have the great sound bites of them saying, we're going to burn motherfuckers to the ground. To the other mafia that rules our life, here's another little kid getting fucking abused by a black dude, ball and dick flapping, transgender fucking library incident. Hey, hey, hey. Little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Could you be the one to call when I lose control? That little girl looks so confused, offended, she just froze. The article or tweet thread that I found, and what happens when ostensible adults in the room throw kids to the wolves? Matt Walsh, here's a drag queen dancing suggestively for a young girl while the adults look on and cheer. Look, adults can watch drag shows, be drag queens, enjoy all the draggy fun there has to be. But children are another story. And any adult in that room should have been able to see that a little girl knew she didn't belong there. Mary Margaret Olihan, the little girl foot, is shaking as the drag queen starts to embrace her. Canadian drag queen Tyomi Banks, publicist, confirmed to the Daily Caller News Foundation that Banks is indeed the drag queen in the video. Because I'm a dancer, I love to show off my physique, Banks said. My legs are amazing, are amazing. Child abuse via virtue signaling is what people called it. Why are children, why are adults cheering for this? It's almost like she's getting a lap dance. This is insane. Who thinks this is okay? That poor kid looks traumatized. What is wrong with so-called adults in this video? What the fuck? That kid is dumbfounded and uncomfortable. Look at her face. It's heartbreaking. And it is. It's just heartbreaking. But they're they're all in. If you find that wrong, and, and I think this is why they do it, so they can call you out. If you say anything inappropriate, if you if you deny that it's a beautiful thing living your truth and being a fucking pedophile. They get to brown shirt you and call you inappropriate and a bigot. Pierce Morgan's all lined up in it. We covered it before. Um, weightlifter Lauren Hubbard, who won two gold medals in 2019 Pan Pacific Games is in Samoa, is now pushing to compete in the women's category in the 2020 Olympics. She just shattered all the records, and she looks like me. With fake titties. Well, if I was buff. Because the dude is buff. Dr. James Kent, New Zealand transgender weightlifter Lauren Hubbard, clinches two gold medals, obliterates the rest of the female field. Olympics might be denied. 
in Tokyo. Pierce Morgan, this is insane. Women's right to basic fairness and equality are getting destroyed at the altar of political correctness. Where are the voices of countless women who fought so hard for Title IX and women's athletics? Funny how there's never an athlete going for female to male competition. It's like males have some sort of advantage. Can't quite put my finger on it. Have three categories. Biological men, biological women, and anything goes. If I was a female athlete, I'd quit. What's the point when you know the best you can ever be will never be good enough as you'll never be as strong as a man doing the same sport? And it's true. It's so unfair. But London is worse than America. London will host world's first Muslim LGBTQ plus pride festival. London will host the first LGBT plus music pride festival in April. LGBT plus Muslim group Iman began ticket sales for the event calling Iman Fest Muslim Pride. On Wednesday, according to Pink News, Iman LGBTQIEIEIOEIEI plus 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 four plus plus O Muslim supporters celebrating his 20th birthday by organizing the event with the ticket sales page described as the world's first LGBTQI. E-I-E-I-O, Muslim Pride Festival, and the event will take place at the undisclosed location in East London on April 11th. The event is primarily for LGBTQ E-I-E-I-O Muslims with a focus on accommodating underrepresented members of the Muslim LGBT community like lesbians and bisexual women, cis and trans, trans men, non-binary people, disabled people, refugees and asylum seekers, and intersectionality, intersectionality. I actually had this soundbite that I was going to start playing in the background because as they try to push this out to protect the fact that, let's be honest, this is a no bueno, alright? In the Muslim community, it's just not a good thing. They wrap it in everything else, and it's just like this. Game Bell host. You just intersectionality, baby. If you wrap it in all that other shit, boom! You win a cigar. There are 3.4 million Muslims in Great Britain. That's how bad their immigration went. And those people are not immigrants. They're illegal immigrants that were brought in. National statistics, the total population is 66.4 million. Significant portion of Muslim population in Pakistan, which is geographically considered Southeast Asia. The tickets include a day's worth of sessions, workshops, panels, discussion, field programs, oral history exhibits, lunch, dinner, and entertainment. The event will also feature black bisexual activist and historian Blair Imani and trans activist Asifa Lahore. I studied the Quran carefully before I came out and know what it says about homosexuality. But I told the Iman that I just want to have a monogamous relationship with my partner, not indulge in wild sex orgies and live an immoral life. And that on the day of judgment, I wanted to tell Allah that I have lived a life where I was honest and true to myself. But I have been authentic in my actions and feelings. And under Muslim theory, uh, well, Allah's going to chop your motherfucking head off. Because that's no bueno. No. No bueno. You cannot be gay in the Muslim community. They throw you off fucking roofs. So, knowing that we're all in on this in London, our media just doesn't stop. Here's that stupid deputy show. Once again, live your fucking truth. 
And I guess your truth now with the LGBT mafias, infringe on everybody else's rights, get them fired, get them froze off fucking social media for saying, hey, there's only males and females. And then Freeform encourages threesome among autistic teens. It's not even the worst thing I heard this week. Doc took a look, wrote a little F on my birth certificate. And ever since that moment, the whole world has viewed me as a woman. Well, aren't you? No, Sheriff, I'm not. I'm not a woman, but I'm not a man either. Something other than those two. My gender is non-binary, and Genevieve couldn't accept that. I, I wasn't who she thought I was. Why don't you tell me who you are, then? I'm not she or her, or even him. I'm they and them. Those are my pronouns. But you know that you never have to be anything but yourself with me, right? Thank you. And I'm going to be honest, I'm still learning exactly who I am. But for now, I've got to stop being who I'm not. Well, I might mess up sometimes. I'll remind you. Why we get off the freeway, huh? So what am I supposed to call you now? Bishop. Just Bishop. Just Bishop. Okay. your oyster. No masks. Just bishop. Hey. You live your truth. End of the day. That's all we got. Let me get you home. Hey, hey babe. Remember we decided I could have sex if I asked you first? I feel a little taken out of context. You said I could be sex positive. That is a different thing, but go on. Can Jeremy and Drea come over for a threesome? Um, <laughs> here? Like over here? They're waiting. Drea, I saw coming, but Jeremy? They're both autistic. Okay, well that... That doesn't matter to me, but... <sighs> yeah, I can't think of a reason why not. Well, think harder. Great, will you tidy up my room? What, now I have to do cleaning? As we learn from Apple, TV's a great tool to spread the disease of perversion. Because that's what it is. It's not about being gay. I don't give a fuck if you're gay. It's not about being tranny. Don't give a fuck if you dress in a fucking goddamn wedding dress. It's your business. It's the pushing it on kids. That's what conservatives rail about because that's inappropriate. But we have a whole media complex to think it's imperative to put this into every TV show. Have drag queen fucking breeding hour 
and have every cartoon turn gay. Clifford, the Big Red Dog reboot features two lesbian moms. Yeah, that, that was, we need that. That's important. The ongoing trend of children's shows featuring gay characters continues recent during an episode for Clifford the Big Red Dog beep reboot. The beloved animal show Clifford the Big Red Dog in recent weeks became the second PBS Kids series with a recurring LGBT character when one of Emily Elizabeth's friends brought her two moms to a dinner party. It was rebooted by PBS and Amazon Prime last year with a new animation and new voices. It is within this reboot that two lesbian characters were introduced, although it may not be obvious to many children. The episode titled The Big Red Tomato <coughs> Dogbot introduced a lesbian couple when Emily's friend, Samantha, invites her two moms to an outdoor dinner party. Won't you join us, Emily asked. It would be our pleasure, one of the moms reply. Ooh, something smells delicious. The two characters, Dr. Mulberry and Mrs. Mulberry, appear in several episodes in which Samantha refers to them as mom. In other episodes, Samantha calls each of the women mom. In the episode titled The Birdwell Island Blues, The Big Red World, she calls Dr. Mulberry mom, and in making lemonade out of lemons, the watering hole, she says, Mrs. Mayberry is my mom. That's what we do. It's important. So as we push back in America, back to Britain we go. Journalist absurdly claims gays and ethnic minorities are overrepresented in TV and the backlash is fierce. This is from Pink News. The bar has been raised when it comes to diversity and studies claim more than gays and ethnic minorities are gracing television and laptop screens. Discrimination is over. We won. Even if hate crimes in England and Wales have more than doubled in the last four years. Yeah, we're making that shit up because once again they have another one of those guy gets killed, but it's not proven that it was transphobia, but we're going to say it is anyway. In a report by Creative Diversity Network, the group surveyed more than 30,000 diversity forms relating to over 600,000 TV production contributions across the five major uh, broadcasters. BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5, and Sky. The Diamond, the third cut inquiry, found that LGB folk make up around 12% of roles. One in ten characters are LGBT, the paper said, and around 6.4% of the nation's pop- national population population identify as such. That's a lie, but go ahead. Trans folks, the paper continue, make up 0.8% of the on-screen roles and 0.2% of off-screen TV positions. This demonstrates British newspaper The Times said the LGBT people are twice as likely to appear on television and, in fact, are overrepresented. Although the statistics mean that 88.1% of roles go to heterosexual people who are not in the slightest bit overrepresented. Well, because they make up 95% of the fucking world, you moonbats. It was a finding, however, vastly distorted by some. One British lawmaker joined the discussion of the finding and made similar claims of overrepresentation of queer folk. Martin Domney. But, but TV is so racist and homophobic. Turns out it isn't. In fact, it's precise opposite. Bain, 13% workforce versus 26% drama roles, 30% kids TV, 25% comedies. LGBT equals 6.4% population, but they have 12% of the roles. So they are twice as likely to be cast versus population. That's math! <laughs> That's just fucking math. Induced mass eye rolls to the members of the LGBT community. What did the study say? The study shows that Brexit Party member Martin Darby that the British TV shows are present. Right. 
Domney explained that the number of minority characters, blah, 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 blah. Add to this that women are also overrepresented both on screen and off screen, so TV isn't sexist either. Statistically, the worst career prospect in TV are for white heterosexual men. Turns out that white male privilege we hear about so much on TV doesn't exist in TV. Naturally, I'm expecting poor white men who run the world, etc. But the stats don't lie. TV doesn't represent the real world, which you may argue is PC madness or well about time. That's what he said. That's math. But these people believe fucking penguins are gay. So everybody's gay. Uh, article goes on just to go fucking crazy. The time, how the representation of disabled folks in recent years flatline disabled people consisted of 7.8% of on-screen jobs and 5.2% of off-screen. The data, which covers program broadcasts for August 2018 to July 2019, disabled folk make up 70% of the population. She also skewered studio for treating the representation of Bane people as quick wins. So much time is spent on quick wins. The digging deeper hasn't necessarily been a priority. The easiest thing to do when everyone is guilty of this is whether television or other industries find a black person and put them on. Dobner later admitted in a Twitter thread, the real discrimination TV is race, sexuality, or gender. It's class, which is be right. Jack Duncan. Representation isn't about raw numbers. It's about normalizing traditional marginalized groups and showing ignorant people they aren't the boogeyman. Of course, you have to compensate for years and decades of underrepresentation, but I won't expect you to get that. Plus, most people say society, ergo people like you, are the problem, not TV. Amanda Jet Knox. Super weird, Martin. It's almost like marginalized people get so much hate in everyday life that we're written into shows in which the hate is highlighted for ratings. Come back to me when, for example, trans characters don't exist primarily to showcase their trauma. Pragan Pendergrast. A lot of BAME and LGBT people get into creative industry after years of oppression and bullying, striving to prove their critics wrong and to change the norm. Homophobic hate crimes are up in London by 55% in the last five years. For BAME, it's up 11% in the last year. They're not, though. None of your stats are true. You just link it to a gay person. If a gay person gets hit by somebody else in a car accident, it's carophobia. I mean, sweet God, people. Then we have, this was on The Advocate, Trump administration backs photographers sued an entire city so she doesn't work at same-sex weddings. Chelsea Nelson of Louisville, Kentucky, has filed a lawsuit challenging her city's fairness ordinance, which protects LGBT plus people from discrimination in housing, employment, and public accommodation. Nelson is asking the Louisville District Court to issue an injunction to ensure that she never has to photograph same-sex weddings. On Thursday, the Department of Justice filed a statement of interest asserting that Nelson is likely to succeed in her claim because requiring her to photograph a ceremony that violates her sincerity held religious belief invades her First Amendment right. It said that the First Amendment intrusion occurs when someone is forced to use their artistic talents towards something that goes against their conscience. Photography is an expression of art, the DOG suggested, and a wedding itself is an expressive event. Weddings are sacred rites in the religious realm, and profoundly symbolic ceremonies is a secular one. It is the very nature of wedding photography and photographers earnestly pursues their craft in a professional manner, will use our artistic talents and skills to celebrate the honor. It therefore concludes the defendant have not offered and could not reasonably offer sufficient justification for forcing Nelson to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people. Nelson is representing her case by two attorneys from the Alliance Defense Freedom, which is designated by the Southern Party Law Center as a hate group. Yeah, everything's a hate group if you're not liberal to the Southern Poverty Law Center. 
She assures the LGBT community that although she will refuse to photograph same-sex weddings, she's happy to invite her servants and other events, regardless of sexual orientation. Although we can't imagine LG, any LGBT person would want to go near her at this point, but that's the point of it, isn't it, gay people? You find people like this, and you fucking end them. It's called cancel culture. It's what you've been doing. You don't go to the cake maker that is not Christian. You just don't. Then they have this article. For gays and heartbroken, pets can be a saving grace. Oh, really? Lesbian kiss to protest homophobic preacher at Pride Parade. This one's pretty fucked up. During the LGBTQ Pride Parade in Auckland, New Zealand, things get very gay. According to The Sun, nearly 7,000 people were gathering an annual Pride Parade earlier this month. As seen in the video, a Christian preacher decided to stand in the middle of the city square and order attendants to represent their sins. Philip Blair, controversial preacher at the Torch of Ministry, Church went viral last year when he filmed himself shouting anti-gay messages of the Sydney train. Can be heard saying to parade, you are controlled by the devil. Today you can receive Christ in your heart. The message didn't sit well with two young queer women who took the opportunity to protest the preacher by kissing in front of him. Ultimately, a swarm of gay people surrounded the women in support. The video was originally posted to YouTube by Torch Christ Church. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and repentance while also telling people they are loved and cared about. We did our best to approach people with the fruit of the Spirit, which also standing firm on God's truth. The caption continues, Many people did very vile and lewd sexual acts on the camera while later having conversation with us because of the conviction of sin that set in. We bared our hearts, left everyone on the altar of the Lord, and we pray that He is glorified by our obedience. According to the Mirror Online, gay attendees and their allies began drowning out Blair's homophobic rhetoric by screaming we're here, we're queer, get used to it eventually Blair was asked to leave by policemen and the crowd cheered next so once again bullying by the gay mafia that's not why I covered this why I covered this is just like the fucking sticker from segment A Christians don't go do this shit you just don't do this this is why our liberal section today is nothing but Christian bashing don't go do this. This is not what God said to do, Jesus said to do, anybody said to do. Judge lest you be judged. That's just fucking stupid. To the story I talked about, murderer stabs bisexual man to death in public and walks free after claiming self-defense. That's what they put up on the advocate, the gay blade, pink news, everybody who's killed... It's a gay bashing. Why the fuck would he know he's bisexual? You're stretching. Then we have this one on Advocate. Is it time for drag queens to unionize? <laughs> okay. The, what, what are you going to call it, The tranny union? What the fuck, man? Iowa Republicans launch assault on LGBTQ teaching and topics in school. I was considering an anti-LGBTQ legislation that would probably be called a pro-Christian legislation. But, you know, everything against abortion, you're anti-choice. That's how they frame it. The media does it for them. It's fucking horseshit. It's just horseshit. <clears throat> that would allow parents to pull their children from school when issues relating to sexual orientation or gender identity are being taught. What's wrong with that? You want to have gay story hour and you say we can't stop that in our public spaces because that's a public place. Why can't teach? Why can't parents do the same? Why? 
This week, lawmakers in the Hawkeye State advance House File 2201, an outline of a bill that is enacted in law would require school districts to annually provide parents and upon request stage agencies information about any program, curriculum, material test, survey, questionnaire, activity, or instruction of any kind related to sexual orientation or gender identity. Under this legislation, school districts would also be required to disclose the procedure for inspecting any material or curriculum that includes gay topics. This is needed. This is just needed, period. Lefties, you won. They don't teach creationism in the school. Why can't normals, cis people, have the same things you pushed for? The curriculum is still going to be pro-gay, but if parents choose not to have their kids be part of the pro-gayness, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is this isn't about your freedom. It's about your pushing your shit on other people. That's what it's about. Um, lessons in which these topics are top would essentially be optional for students as would give parents the power to excuse their children from attending them. Legislation is applicable to instructions of any kind involving every subject from history to sex education from kindergarten to 12th grade. That's why this is happening, because you people are having gay story hour for kindergarten kids. You want to brainwash early. Theoretically, a student could graduate high school in Iowa without knowing that Pete Buttleg, the president candidate who made history by topping the polls of the state caucus last week, is gay. No, that's not going to happen. You'll, you'll make up the slack in the media. The bill sparked a heated debate among lawmakers and concerned Iowans. Parents have the right to know when it comes to controversial issues and their children are being taught in schools or paying for it, said Brad Canston, a pastor from Burlington, as reported local news source WHODT. Whatever we're having a discussion or current events and there's a presidential candidate who's gay, can we not have the conversation in the government class, asked Emily Piper, a lobbyist for the Iowa Association of School Boards. In response, Representative Sandy Salmon confirmed that any planned classroom discussion of his sexuality would trigger the parent alert, though not the politician per se. Lawmakers contend that the law would not be a blanket ban on gay content and curriculum, but some worried that the approval process and treatment of the subject matter would lead to stigma and misinformation. It assumes children could turn gay by suggestion, said Lori Baker. No, it doesn't. A mental health professional, yet no, you're not. The measure... Introduced by 13 Republicans has been advanced to the House Education Committee. A final bill will include language that addresses concern raised at this week's meeting, admitted Salmon. However, Keenan Crow from One Iowa Action slammed the onerous requirement outlined in the file in an interview with Des Moines Register. He also pointed out the potential legislation flawed premise. Sexual orientation and gender identity apply to everyone, regardless of the Q identity. At least 13 bills targeting LGBTQ community have been introduced during Iowa's current legislative session. Five in the past 24 hours alone. One Iowa action is urging concerned Iowans to contact the reps and urge them to end the extreme and divisive legislation. Divisive legislation. How is it divisive for parents to want to protect their kids from things they don't want them to hear at a young age? Contrary to popular media belief, most of us don't give a fuck. There's just a time and place. I don't want my kindergarten kid to learn about gayness on their blocks because you put fucking suggestive shit on there and you brainwash them. I don't want them just to learn how to play with each other, learn their ABCs and one, two, threes, and stack the fucking blocks. But if you people had your way, the blocks would have pegging on it for fuck's sake. 
How do I know? Learning the ropes in BDSM whips, chains, pain, and a lot of pleasure. That's a huge article on The Advocate. It was printed in the Washington Post. That's what you guys are into. That's fine. Do you. But you have no right to force this on kids. This is the last thing. For some, my lifestyle is a reverse for the odd night out. It's a commitment that takes effort to maintain. My relationship with BDSM is casual. I like to say it's spice on my plate rather than the food itself. Well, I'll take that analogy and go, some people don't like pepper. But what you're saying is we need to shove pepper down everybody's fucking neck. No. No, we don't. To everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Thank you very much. We love you. Thank you very much, everybody. That is a black crowd, as Trump is introduced, introduced saying four more years. But you wouldn't check that by what was happening. Scared Dems are losing the black vote. You should be. Jamel Hill shows her true colors. So there's a picture all over the Internet of black religious leaders praying over Donald Trump. This was a normal thing under every president. Jamel Hill, when you try to fake like black people and suddenly remember you left the tiki torches out in the living room. The world. This is a bad take, Jamel. Bad. And she wonders why more and more black Americans are starting to support Trump. Rated G. When you're a bigot and feel compelled to project your hatred on others. Something like that. Maynard. Oh, look. Race baiter. Jamel is scared the D's are losing the vote to Trump. Are you going to be okay, sweetie? This is why you were fired from ESPN. When you're narrow-minded, can only grasp hatred, your hatred produces tweets like this. You got paid to write about sports, didn't you? There's nothing the left hates more than people who abandon all that victim mentality to find their success in their own. Strong, independent, black people can't be controlled with false narratives and destructive agendas. They especially hate it if those abandoning the victim mentality are one, women, two, minorities, immigrants. It destroys their whole narrative that the system is rigged against them and unless they elect the Dems, they can't find success. If Democrats can't convince people they need saving, they have no real agenda. Their entire platform is built on the idea that people, especially women and minorities, can't think or do for themselves, and so the government has to step in and do it for them. Trump has proven otherwise. But they, man, this went, this went fucking crazy. Here's two back to back. Uh, Angela Rye bullies a black voter. And then Keith Boykin, and these are both on CNN, of course. Man who called Trump first black president is an Uncle Tom. Funny thing is, he was an NFL athlete. Yeah. Strong safety. They did not like this. Senior Trump campaign advisor Katrina Pearson called this strategy a woke concept. Uh, they're using, uh, they're going to use woke as part of their marketing. Uh, I, I think, you know, 
instead of saying, you know, using Democrats and Republicans, instead of saying, you know, very fine people in both parties, they're going to say woke. What do you think? I think that I'm asleep. Um, and I think that the good news is that a number of us have kind of stopped saying woke. So welcome to the party, y'all. But now we're asleep on that. And I think the reality of it is just to go back to what Tara's just saying is um, Donald Trump does not have a tremendous record to stand on as it relates to criminal justice reform. He has one bill passed um, and, and, a, and a strategy that has not served black and brown people for years from before his election, right? I think Donald Trump does not have a strong record to stand on as it relates to black unemployment. He has Barack Obama's record to stand on with that. And I think that at some point, black folks have got to look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, do I want to follow Mark Burns? Do I want to follow Katrina Pearson? Do I want to follow Diamond and Silk? Like, who the hell are these people, right? Instead, you want to... You want to give Donald Trump kudos for throwing cheese it bits at you and then criticize the people who have spent their careers doing things for the betterment of black people and black society. And I would just say at that point, if you still go over to Donald Trump after that, shame on you. Oh, wait, oh, wait, but wait, 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 Trump has he's been president for almost four years now and he's never made a single visit to a black community to attend a black event. How the hell do you say you're making a serious effort to reach black people when you haven't even gone to a black community? For God's sake, he hasn't even gone to the black community in Washington, D.C. He hasn't gone to the black community in New York, in, in Harlem, or in, in Brooklyn, where he's uh, where he lived. He has not made any serious effort to reach black people. And then the idea that anybody would sit in a room with Donald Trump and call him the first black president after we had Barack Obama as the president of the United States shows just what kind of Uncle Toms were sitting in that room in the Ooh. first place. That's ridiculous. He's an outrage that they would even, anybody would sit in that room and say something like that. That's right. a shocking, appalling, disgusting okay. thing to say. Yes, I mean, that's offensive. But I do think that Democrats have to pay attention to the fact that right now he has the, the, the playing field by himself. All right. And he's Having said that, voters. everyone stay with me. In attendance was NFL safety Jack Brewer, who called Trump the first black president. That remark sent CNN commentator Boykin over the edge. So CNN wouldn't be CNN without being outraged about, well, everything. They had a segment talking about Brewer's compliment towards Trump. CNN commentator introduction indoctrinated Ivy Leaguer Keith Boykin had some less than flattering words for the black people in the room. Remember, this is the same guy who said Republican representatives who staged a sit-in at Adam Schiff's underground bunker look like a Klan group. Tommy Hour, this is the 21st century. Why do Democrats still consider the black community incapable of caring for themselves? Regular joy. Joe, wow, see embedded video. Boykin's a bigot. Richard, what a disgusting racist pig. Uh, another one, CNN PR rails about racism. Remember this. CNN continue to employ Boykin who lives, who live on the air has suggest, live on the air has suggested that Trump supporters such as Paris Denard aren't legitimate black and are Uncle Tom's. Just shows you the reason no one thinks CNN is a serious news organization. Firing men like Keith Boy can be a good start to empty the trash bin. Yeah. It really would. Simultaneously, the story I talked about, church quarters in Selma turned their back on Bloomberg. Congregants of the historic Brown Chapel AME Church in Selma 
silently protested 2020 presidential candidate Bloomberg as he delivered remarks there Sunday, standing and turning their backs on the former New York mayor. Bloomberg addressed the congregation at Brown Chapel AME Church during a church service in which he discussed voter suppression and the fight for civil rights. But roughly 10 minutes in his remark, several in attendance rose from their seats and turned their back on him. Yeah. That's what they did. It, it It's just, it's not good. And then, on Friday, a black pastor and line law Democrat from Flint, Michigan, confronted Tom Perez. Do I, as an African-American pastor, lifelong Democrat, do I have a place in this party? Or is it all about health care, immigration, and these other things? What about the things that we have to deal with? Bay County has always been a reliably Democratic county. In 2018, they went Republican. Saginaw County and Genesee County, Flint is still in the middle of a water crisis. The people up there don't want to vote for any Democrats. You don't win Michigan elections without Genesee County, Saginaw County, and Bay County. But there are union members who are meeting with John James from the UAW. That's unheard of. What will be the narrative for this party to get the apathy reversed for those type of counties that you're going to need to win this state. This is an amazing soundbite. Because if it was a conservative rep, the GOP chair, this would be national news. This was buried on Twitter. And I really want to read what he said. Because remember, if my podcast got caught by... Brian Seltzer. I would be a racist, a sexist, a transphobe, a homophobe. I'd be a horrible human being. But I have said all this about the black community. They have been walked over. They moved on to the free free the illegals concept and the trans agenda. And most of them are just like you and me. See, that's the amazing thing about much white liberals that fucking live on the air and everything. They don't have black friends. They have liberal anchor friends. But 20 years in the army taught me they're no different than most Christian white people on their policies. Do I, as an African-American pastor, lifelong Democrat, do I have a place in the party? I am a moderate Democrat. I do not support abortion. I do not support same-sex marriage. I have people in my congregation who ask, how do we preach one thing on Sunday, but then campaign for people who are totally opposed to it? Do I, as an African-American pastor, lifelong Democrat, do I have a place in the party? Or is it all about health care, immigration, and other things? What about the things that we have to deal with? Bade County has always been a reliable Democratic county. In 2018, they went Republican. Saginaw County, Genesee County, Flint is still in the middle of a water crisis. The people up here don't want to vote for any Democrat. You don't win Michigan elections without Gene County, Saginaw County, and Bain County, he continued. But there are union members who are meeting with GOP senatorial candidates, John James and the UAW. That's unheard of. What would be the narrative for this party to get the apathy reversed for those type of counties that you need going to win this state? They're waking up. Because all they hear is liberals triping this. Sick bag, please. New York Times scared of whiteness and maleness in the unfriendly skies. This was a fucking article. These days, even the silliest concept get respectful and prominent feature play, and they are sufficiently woke. The New York Times previewed previewed the play 
help in Sunday art section on the headline, Claudia Rankin flies the unfriendly skies. Why unfriendly? Because they're clogged with white male privilege. The play is based on Rankin's ponderous 2019 Times essay when she pestered white male passengers about their white privilege. I want to know what white men thought about their privilege, so I asked. Beside making Ranicky the world's worst seatmate, one wonders if there aren't bigger fish to fry on racial justice front. But there's no question like that from Times writer Salamisha Tillett, who isn't a Times staffer but a professor of English and African Studies. In the essay, Rankin describes a repeated experience being rendered invisible by white men as they waited in first-class lines together at the airport and her attempts to ask other white men sitting next to her in the intimate and elite space of the airplane cabin how they perceive their own white male privilege. I wondered what is this stuckness inside racial hierarchies that refuse the neutrality of the sky, she wrote. Rankin and reinvented herself as a narrator, a middle-aged black air traveler played by Rosalind Ruff, and created 20 white male characters who were on the plane with her. Tillett herself felt intimidated in the presence of so many white males, and a scene choreographed by Shamel Pitts as the white male actor frenetically danced around an empty airplane seat meant for the narrator with movements that reference anything but gyrating hips to Hitler salutes. It felt a bit like vaudeville flash mob, and because both Rankin and Ruff were out at a photo shoot, I was one of two black women in the room, heightened my sense of being overtaken by the actor's whiteness and maleness. I'm not reading anymore. It goes on. They bought a fucking ticket. They bought a fucking ticket. That's how they're in first class. Their company probably bought the fucking ticket. They didn't get the ticket because they're white. This is the tripe you're talking about. And then you have a black pastor, pastor with real problems. And you're not addressing them, Democrats. Trump is. There's a reason people are walking away. You tell him he's raceless, racist. But, but he's not. And then our last Everything's Racist. I watched Hunters. My deepest sorrows about you, Grandma. We're in the camps together. Sure, through all that just to be shot in the living room by Verbal. It sounded like she knew him, it sounded personal. Yeah. I suppose every mother is personal. You know what the best revenge is? Revenge. Your grandmother wished to protect you. From what? Nazis, Jonas. Goddamn Nazis. There is evil living here. Bad neighbors. They blinded themselves to us. You can get away with anything in America. So your grandmother and I created the hunters. We put together a group of Nazi hunters. We're a lockpicker, spy, soldier, master of disguise, and two weapons experts. We would bring God's justice. What do you say? I want in. Agent Morris, 
I think there's Nazis living in America. And someone out there's taking them out. There is a right way and a wrong way to get justice. You do this, you become the evil you are fighting. They're broadcasting something. It's a coded message. We find them before they find us. They're trying to save the world. There's a lot more where this came from. First of all, this is by that Peel dude, and the reason it was done is because of Trump, white supremacy, and all our racists running all over the street, which last time you could put a finger on it was Charlottesville with the 400 tiki torches, but nobody knows them and nobody sees them, and even this write-up is all about how apropos it is. It's a great series. It's engaging. It's pretty funny at times. I got to admit, I liked it. Al Pacino's in it, but their whole concept, not to, well, I guess, fucking, uh, spoiler alert. It's about hunting Nazis in the 70s and Operation Paperclip, which was a real thing. Well, they brought Nazi scientists and people over to America so the Russians couldn't get them. And some of them were really bad people. They were linked to fucking horrendous things. And so these people go out and kill them. But the sole purpose of this series was to push America's a racist fucking white supremacist country. And that's not the case. It's just not the case. Nobody listening right now or me speaking or anybody on my block is part of the KKK or Nazis. It's just not there. Are there Nazis? Are there white supremacists? Yeah. But there's also extremist Muslims. And I would bet they're on par with any white supremacist website you have out there. But this show was just done to try to smear anybody who could, who was a conservative, voted for Trump. And they keep forgetting in those people that voted for Trump, Trump was that black pastor and black people and the people praying over Trump. Which leads us to our liberal shit. The media, the left, they lost their fucking religion this week. Down, you're the next contestant on Liberal Shit. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Like losing my religion. 
I'm Candy Lamas, Professor of New Testament and Early Christianity at the University of Notre Dame. Today, Christians from all denominations remain deeply invested in the myth that for the first three centuries of its existence, the early church was the victim of relentless persecution. But contrary to traditional church teaching and popular belief, Christians were not systematically tortured and killed by the Romans merely because they refused to deny Christ. Rather, these stories were exaggerated, revised and forged, often centuries later, and the history of the church was reshaped in order to combat heresy, to inspire and educate the faithful, and to fund churches. In addition to getting the history right, the goal of my book is to expose the dangerous legacy that these misunderstandings about Christian martyrdom have had for us today. The rhetoric of martyrdom and persecution persists, especially in the language of the religious and political right. And just as early Christians employed the martyrdom myth to exclude heretics, this very same myth is still used to silence dissent and galvanize a new generation of cultural warriors. We can see this in statements by Christian leaders, speeches by politicians, and the rhetoric of media pundits who claim that they are being persecuted in the way that Christians have always been persecuted. The idea that Christians are, by their very nature, persecuted is grounded in an inaccurate history of the early church. Christians were not relentlessly persecuted in the first few centuries, and they're not systematically and continually persecuted. Yes, persecution of Christians, although historically documented, is all bullshit. And how did I find this out? The Daily Beast, that piece of shit, wrote this article. How do we know Jesus had male genitalia? What finding Jesus' private parts in the Turin Shroud says about faith. Gendering Jesus. His gender has been used to justify a male-dominated church, so the debate has caused quite a stir. From what I could get, because they hid it behind the paywall, because they knew this would incite people. When people talk about the appearance of Jesus, the controversy is almost always about his skin tone and eye color. A whole tradition of Western artwork and movie making erroneously depicts the Gaelic rabbi with light-colored skin and eyes and skin when archaeology evidence and shucks common sense maintain that he had much darker features but what about the rest of his body in particular what about his body parts that mark him as a male which are so central to our understanding of who jesus was newly published scientific investigations in the turin shroud had identified the outline of the scrotum and right hand thumb of a man outlined in the cloth the shroud is authentic. This would seem to supply clear evidence that Jesus was in fact a male. But a recent book by Guglio Fanti and Parandi Malfi aside, the majority of scholars believe that the shroud is almost certainly a medieval forgery. Which brings us back to the question, how do we know Jesus had male genitalia? To be sure, his behavior in the gospel and the way that he is described by early Christian sources presume that he was male. But this does not necessarily tell us as much about his gender as we might think. Her book, The Myth of Persecution, How Early Christians Invented a Story of Martyrdom, from 2014. Now, before I play the copious attacks on Christianity, 
that was here this week, all because black people prayed over Donald Trump. So we had racial shit, we had bashing Christians. Would you ever see an article? How do we know Muhammad was a dude? Would we even talk about the gender of Muhammad? The authenticity of Muhammad? No, because people fucking heads would be chopped off. Which is what they say in the media. They say Christians are violent. I mean, Barack Hussein Obama, oh, the dear one, the anointed one, who people thought was Jesus Christ. He always brought up the fucking crusades, man. We got to go back to the crusades when Christians chopped in. And then they go about one kook Christian who killed Tiller. That's their source of all Christians are violent people. But you can't talk about anybody walking up. I mean, if that was the case, then the black prancer, pastor... I keep Freudianly slipping fucking Panther, would have walked up to fucking Tom Perez and stabbed him in the eye. Because Christians are all violent. But you would never touch this this way. But it's election season. And I say it all the time. It's time to buy us Christians. You voted for Trump, you're not a real Christian. I mean, we got thousands of fucking sound bites I played over the last five years of this podcast. With Chris Cuomo talking, they're not real Christians. He's not a real Christian. We do that in our media. Real Christians, non-real Christians. But the moment some dude NATO Abdul kills gay people at a nightclub or blows shit up, oh, it's foreign policy. You can't blame all Muslims for what that dude did. It's American foreign policy that put that poor guy in the vest and made him pull the trigger. Yeah. So, here's... We, we got articles this week. And we have two. ABC and Roland Martin. Roland, you are a man of faith. Uh, and and one of the issues in the last several years has been Donald Trump uh, has been viewed as an object of suspicion by some people of faith, although he seems to, there are not video images of him doing things that look like a guy who is uh, religious. How do Democrats who are trying to court, particularly the black uh, religious vote, deal with this? Well, first and foremost, uh, look, I'm a Christian author. My wife is ordained minister. Uh, and the reality is this here. Uh, white conservative evangelicals are Christian frauds. Let me say it again. They're frauds. If you look at the uh, moral majority uh, from Jerry Falwell and the Pat Robertsons of the world, all we heard from them for, since the 19, uh, late 70s and 80s, character, values, morals, and all those things, Yet what they did is they embraced Donald Trump, uh, who is immoral, has no values, has no principles, and frankly, is a fake Christian. Okay, so let's just cut to the chase here. And so uh, black evangelicals see right through this. Okay, we, we have always seen through this. Remember, it was white conservative evangelicals uh, who held up and supported Jim Crow and who used the Bible to 
endorse slavery. And so what you now have are individuals who only care about two things. White conservative evangelicals care about two things. They can't stand gay people and they can't stand abortion. And so all they care about are federal judges who are going to drive home their agenda. And that's why they suck up to Trump. And that's why he's given them and the Federalist Society complete reign to pick federal judges. Thank you, Chairman. I am experiencing this hearing and I'm struggling whether I respond or launch into this question as a legislator or from the perspective of a woman of faith. Because I cannot, it's, it's very difficult to sit here and listen to arguments in the long history of this country of using scripture and weaponizing and abusing scripture to justify bigotry. White supremacists have done it. Those who justified slavery did it. Those who fought against integration did it. And we're seeing it today. And sometimes, especially in this body, I feel as though if Christ himself walked through these doors and said what he said thousands of years ago, that we should love our neighbor and our enemy, that we should welcome the stranger, fight for the least of us, that it is easier for a rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into a kingdom of heaven. He would be maligned as a radical and rejected from these doors. And I know, and it is part of my faith, that all people are holy and all people are sacred unconditionally. And that is what makes faith sometimes, that's what, what prompts us to transform because it is unconditional. It's not about that it is up to us to love parts of people. We love all people. There is nothing holy about rejecting medical care of people, no matter who they are on the grounds of what their identity is. There is nothing holy about turning someone away from a hospital. There's nothing holy about, about rejecting a child from a family. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law. And I am tired of communities of being of faith being weaponized and being mischaracterized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. My faith commands me to treat Mr. Minton as holy because he is sacred because his life is sacred, because you are not to be denied anything that I am that I am entitled to, that we are equal in the eyes of the law, and we are equal in my faith in the eyes of the world. And so I just have to get that out ahead of time because it is deeply disturbing, not just what is happening here, but what this administration is advancing is the idea that religion and faith is about exclusion. It is not up to us. It is not up to us 
to deny medical care. It is up to us to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to protect children, and to love all people as ourselves. But wait, there's more! MSNBC! We gotta bash Christians! I mean, here's my commentary on this. I don't want to call things lies that aren't lies. He left out a whole bunch of information there. The the There was a spread of HIV. It was determined that it was being spread by needles, which is the way it often spreads. Um, he was told that he needed to do needle exchange. It should have done, been done earlier. When asked why he won't do it, he said, I'm going to pray on that, because he's, he's very big in praying the gay away. Um, and, and then they finally did it for 30 days. But there is a sense that there's an amount of infection that would not have been spread if... Uh, Mike Pence had gotten on this thing faster. In the year 2000, he wrote an op-ed in which he said cigarettes don't kill. Um, Susan, I'm, I'm concerned. I want the government to be in charge. I want the concept that the vice president of the United States is in charge of this most important things. Uh, of things, but he's not really a, a big guy with the medicine and the science. Yeah, and science, not so much. Yeah. Um, what? I immediately thought is, knowing Donald Trump, if he thought that this could be successfully handled in a very positive way, he would take responsibility. Right. But he knows it won't be. He knows this is a problem. So, ha, huh, there's Mike Pence. He'll do anything I ask. He just stands there and nods his head. So why not give it to him? And if it goes all sideways... Guess what? I have a perfect fall guy. Because the fact is, is that Mike Pence is in no position to oversee this. He, besides not trusting the science, we can't trust him. He has yet to show any independence of this president. And, and when pressed by our reporter, Kelly O'Donnell, about the danger, yeah. David Jolly, of calling it a hoax, and that the president's um, followers uh, or believers will believe it's a hoax and then not take the necessary uh, advice that they need to take. The president said he was talking about something else and Democrats uh, uh, altogether. But a lot of the issue with a disease like this, an infection like this, is about trust in government, right? Some of it's medicine, some of it's science, some it of is. it's epidemiologists, but a lot of it's trust in your government. We've got a president who took a Sharpie to a map when dealing with a hurricane. Um, you've got a president who says he's going to do things after gun massacres, who doesn't do things about them. You've got a president who wouldn't deal with um, right-wing extremism in this country because he really wanted to believe it was something else. And, and we've not really been put to this test yet. I don't think coronavirus is existential, right. but it's certainly serious. And we haven't been put to the test where I need to know my government's telling me the best, uh, giving me the best information. Uh, we're not there yet with this government. So I screwed up and said ABC, but I meant AOC. She went into a whole screed of her faith in Jesus Christ screed, playing religious freedom is used for discrimination and bigotry against LGBT people. Once again, something you never say about Muslims who throw motherfuckers off the goddamn roof, stone them, fucking kill them. Multiple countries with laws, you're imprisoned. AOC, there's a long history in the U.S. of abusing scriptures to advance the cause of bigotry and discrimination. Slave owners did it, segregationists did it, white supremacists do it, and it's continued. Yet if Christ repeated himself today, they'd likely denounce him as a radical too. Oh, you know Jesus. You're down with Jesus, huh? Michael J. Fell. Before, during, and after the Civil War, slaveholders, segregation, and white supremacists were Democrats. Democrats voted against freedom and citizenship for slaves 100%. They wrote Jim Crow laws and hanged black people because the KKK was their militia. Learn some fucking history and shut up. <laughs> hey, Alex, 
you do realize that all of the above are traditionally Democrats, not to mention that the current batch of Dems are not much different. Naturally, dismiss the vast amount of good done using scripture as a guide. But they all do it. They all do it. This, this is, this is what they do. Uh, Thomas Charlton Williams, Mike Pence and his coronavirus emergency team prayed for a solution. We are so screwed. They're treating his disease with a seriousness and urgency. They bring to gun violence. Fuzzy chimp. Why is anti-Christian bigotry acceptable? Why is it, media? Why is it acceptable right now? Why can you do that? Shoid and fraud. Sad that you, A, dismiss prayer, B, think that this is all they're doing, and C, have forgotten how the government handled H1N1 outbreak, but please keep going. Jessica Flesher, imagine saying this about any other religion. It's so vogue to mock Christians. And it is. Meacham, New York Times, get religion. Jesus may be the best hope against an amoral president. This is how they reference Christianity. New York Times on Ash Wednesday displayed more sudden respect for religion, at least the left-wing variety, and an opinion piece by veteran journalist John Meacham, Jesus may be the best hope against the AMO president, the text box, religion history can inspire activists and Trump resistance. Maggie Chang's accomplishing graphic even included an unironic image of a cross, which you don't see every day in a paper more likely to express fear of Christian faith. Meacham, who has just published The Hope of Glory, Reflections on the Last Word of Jesus Christ from the Cross, at least delivers a historical, accurate rendition of what Christians believe, unlike sometimes writer who delight in redefining it. And that was an article that I meant to click open before I started reading this, so I'm waiting for it to open up. Uh, hold on a second. That was the one that was for Kristoff. Tis the season for redefining Christianity. Merry Christmas. Let me start by asking about the first Christmas. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do we remember that? We did it on the show on our Christmas show. Because it was so cool to dog Christianity. And then they had the IOF article. Don't say Merry Christmas to me, motherfucker. I'm a Jew. And you're supposed to fucking know that. The Christian season of Lent, a time of repentance and reflection, is upon us. The week that began with Ash Wednesday culminating in Holy Week. Commemoration of the Passover feast is roughly the year A.D. 33, during which Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem, was condemned and crucified by the Roman authorities, and the Christian understanding of the world rose from the dead. Christian understanding, because it's not real. And Meacham used religion as a cudgel to bash Trump. Sympathetic evangelicals and Fox News, given the state of the nation's two millennium on, it is difficult to conceive as something more counterintuitive than the Christian ideal. For many Americans, especially non-Christians, the thought that Christian morality is a useful guide to much of anything these days is risable, particularly since so many evangelicals have thrown in their lot with a relentlessly so sapatistic American president who bullies, boasts, and sneers. The political hero of the Christian right of 2020 has used the National Prayer Breakfast to mock the New Testament injunction to love one enemies, and it's clear the leading conservative Christian voices are putting the Supreme Court ahead of the Sermon on the Mount. And yet, history suggests that religious-inspired activism may hold the best hope for those in resistance to the prevailing Trumpian order. I've come to this view in publishing a small book of reflections on the last sayings of Jesus from the cross. A devotional exercise, to be sure, but one that brought to mind the motive force of a Christian message based not on Fox News, 
but on what those first century words meant then and can mean now. Everyone understands that Christianity is broader than GOP or Fox News. But Meacham not allowing the idea that Christian conservatives might be able to support someone who doesn't uphold all their ideals, like feminists voting for Bill Clinton, he concluded, People of faith are called again and again and again to return to the foot of the cross. It's a terrifying place to stand, but that is where the story Christians profess begin. Christians profess, once again saying, it's not real. It is a story about love, not loathing, generosity, not greed. In our times, the will to power has all too often overwhelmed the words of Jesus. And that is why we must hear and heed those words anew. Once again, Islam, people believe this, and it's not what MSNBC or CNN says about homosexuality. Will that ever be written? And if it was written, how would that go over with Seltzer and all these fucking moon bats over on CNN? How would it go over, friends? You would have a meltdown of epic proportion. The article would be banned off Twitter as hate speech. You wouldn't be able to put it out there. At the minimum, they would label it as sensitive content. Content. And remember, this is about one fucking photo. Trump being prayed over by black religious leaders. And they lost their shit. And I just did a half an hour plus of a podcast on the racial implications and the Christian implications. And these are things you would never do. Never be able to do for a Democrat. Show me the articles of Barack Obama and his lack of religion. Show me the articles where Bill Clinton got prayed over and people said, he's a fucking philanderer. He's an adulterer. We had to respect the office of the President of the United States, you fucking monkeys. And that reference is not to black people, it's to the fucking media. That is sawed-off horseshit. Just sawed-off horseshit. The war on Christianity by our media and Democrats is relentless. They ignore the anti-Semitism of Jews, the attacks on Jews in New York, a liberal enclave by African Americans. They ignored that pastor. And you know, boys and girls... That pastor would have led NBC Nightly News. CNN would have gone all fucking day long. What does this say about the GOP? That an African American man said he doesn't fit. And you want to distill it down to Christians threw in their lot with Donald Trump. They threw in their lot with a person that was closer to their moral backgrounds than your fucking candidate. And the worst part is it's only getting worse. You do not stand for Christian values, Democrat. You fucking booed the Bible, the flag, America. At your fucking conventions. You have thrown out religion. 
And when you write about it, it's like that. Let's redefine Christianity. This is what those people believe. But you never infer it. For Islam, you would never do it. You, you just wouldn't. So, expect more of these, because it's going to continue. Once again, they're down to three extreme people. One has no shot, that's Bloomberg. You have Warren and you have Biden. Biden may have won of South Carolina because he once held the hand of a Barack Obama, so that makes him more down with the cause. But they don't stand for Christian values. They don't stand for normal values. They don't stand for normals. They stand for the extreme. Here's ABC. And we got some more. We're losing the fucking beaches bullshit. And our team, as you know, is in Nicaragua this morning, showing us the lava lake and the turtles. And now we're going to see how the changing climate can affect your morning cup of coffee. In front of us all, have you all tried it? Yes, but we do. They did bring us out a brew that is from Nicaragua. So you all check it out. But the reason we have this here, this could become more rare. Yes, this cup of joe could become more rare as the planet heats up and prices rise. If you're like me or the millions of people who drink coffee every day, you don't really think too much about where your cup of coffee comes from, just that you have it in your hand. But the journey from plant to bean to roasting to your cup there in the studio is a process process that often starts here in Nicaragua, and it's being affected by climate change. It's affecting production. But at Jefferson Shriver's 90-acre farm, Gaia Estates, increasingly inhospitable conditions are making it harder and harder to grow the popular Arabica bean. We have really been experiencing a changing climate here on the farm, and coffee has really been impacted by that. The dry season has usually been a maximum of about four months, and it's been increasing to anywhere from five to six months uh, over the past five to six years. And so we have this longer dry season, and then during that dry season, the, the average temperature is going up. Some scientists call it climate whiplash. Warmer, longer dry seasons and shorter, heavier periods of rainfall, according to National Geographic. As our temperatures increase and the rainfall patterns change, the landscapes that coffee will grow on has drastically shifted, and it's posed great challenges for the industry. As the planet heats up, coffee beans need to be planted at higher altitudes. But and there's only so much land that you could potentially move to to get to that necessary elevation. That's right. The average elevation for coffee for it to be suitable for growing is going to go up from 2,000 feet to about 3,300 feet. So we're at 2,000 feet right now. So we really have to create uh, conditions here of microclimate. To produce a coffee bean-friendly microclimate, farmers like Jefferson plant shade trees to protect bean plants from rising temperatures. But adding shade trees can't completely fix the coffee problem. There's just going to be fewer coffee farmers in, in Nicaragua because there's just fewer suitable land. And coffee consumers will also feel the impact. Prices reportedly already increasing from 93 cents to nearly $1.16 per pound. Experts say prices will continue to go up, quality will go down, and premium beans will be harder to harvest. So here's the study. World beach disappeared due to climate crisis. Almost a half the world's sandy beaches will have retreated significantly by the end of the century as a result of climate-driven coastal flooding and human interference, according to new researches. In 30 years, erosion will have destroyed 36.097 kilometers, or 13.6 
90% of sandy beaches. In this scenario of reduced ice cap melting and lower thermal expanse of water, oceans will only have risen by 50 centimeters by 2100. This is all bullshit. This is based on the old models. We're talking millimeters. They've, they've recorded millimeters. The length of threatened seashore incorporates locations that will be submerged by more than 100 meters, assuming there is no physical limits to potential threats. This is the same bullshit which was disproven two months ago that we carried on the shelf. It's bullshit. Almost every piece of this fucking report is lying because they already put physical barriers in place during the 80s and 90s when you guys fucking freaked the fuck out and said we were all going to be in an ice age. Global cooling warming change. But our media, oh, they're all over that shit. They're just lying. By the end of the century, 63% of low-lying coastal regions worldwide would be threatened. And it's all wrong. It's wrong evidence. It's based on that we've done nothing to, to reduce carbon emissions. It's all bullshit. It's just bullshit. The whole thing's a fucking lie. But they roll this out every couple months. The media eats it up with a spoon and they put back in, we need AOC's Green New Deal. No, we don't. The Green New Deal would not do anything to improve fucking coastal flooding. The Green New Deal's about fucking giving a chicken to everybody in their house. They all have a job. We all wear the same clothes and they're brown shirts. Unbelievable. Leela Rose says TikTok allows pro-abortion vids. This is where they're coming from. They're ending up on fucking Twitter. After a brief controversy where the viral video app TikTok censored and reinstated a pro-life organization, the platform allowed a viral video showing young women seemingly giddy about abortion. It's the one we played last time. Live action founder Leela Rose blasted TikTok via tweet February 27th at 10.15 a.m. when she discovered an unbelievable viral video she said had 4 million views which shows girls cheerfully walking into Planned Parenthood and one killing her baby on camera. It's a violation of countless community guidelines against violent content, depictions of death, dismemberment, humans, and others. During the drafting of this piece, Twitter removed Rose's tweet with, with a note that said, violated the Twitter rules, learn more. Rose commented on the video, our ability to be cruel is endless. When society celebrates abortion, should we be surprised to see this kind of cruelty? My heart breaks with a little helpless baby killed on camera this young mother joking about it and it breaks for her who will live with this her whole life. This after the platform had previously censored and restored live actions content after public outcry. The platform admittedly the news outlets that human error was to blame. Rose tweeted at the time that her organization had received zero communication with TikTok since being banned and with and that the live action account was allowed to go back with no explanation. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a Chinese social media app company that is regulated by the Chinese government. Despite this fact and how the American military would not even allow its members to use it, Business Insider reported it has been downloaded more than 1.5 billion times, with 8.2% of those downloads in the United States. For context, China has something of a vested interest in promoting and protecting abortion rights. Live action is specifically reported on the Chinese government's forcing after two kids you have to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. But of course, when she pushed the video, a new TikTok video with 4 million views shows girl cheerfully blah blah blah, 
That was blocked as sensitive content on Twitter. But the video was able to tweet from normal people saying, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Pro-abortion violence, good. Non, you know, pro-life, oh, no, we can't have that. Saro Raro, we remember her from the fucking beginning of the selection for the Manchurian candidate, AOC. Well, she decided to tweet something, lose her shit, and then delete it. And here's why. Went to the local sports store today to buy a kid's shin guard. We had to walk by this display to reach the soccer, soccer section. Some of these guns are cheaper than kids' soccer cleats. $80, $90, $100. Why did she delete it? They were fucking air pellet guns. And paint guns. But she doesn't know that. She's just a gun grabber, so she knows shit about fucking guns. And she rolled with that crap. Yeah, you can buy cheap fucking guns. They're pieces of shit. I did once for my wife. Matt in Oregon saw it. Yeah. It's pretty cheap. 150 bucks. But it was a piece of shit, so I gave it to my son. Taylor Swift plays man-spreading toxic white male and political music video. Not covering it. I tried to watch her biography thing they did on... Yeah, I can't do it. She's just annoying. But in this video, she spreads her legs on the subway and men are bad. Hmm. Okay. She's so fucking caught up in the politics, she won't even let people know she's fucking a guy. Because that might affect her, I guess. Satanic-like scene on Portsmouth Beach as walkers stumble across creepy pig heads on spikes. This is in North Dublin. Literally, pig heads on spikes. Pigs in the water. It's fucking creepy. Look it up. Mysterious glowing object suddenly appears in Earth's orbit, leaving scientists baffled. Oh, this week's scientific community was buzz when astronomers found Space Rock 2020 CD3 has actually been circling there for three years. Scientists says it's too soon to say for sure that the mystery object is further research is required. Some astronomers are suggesting it could be an artificial object, while others say it might be an old satellite or space debris. Any others say the object is a rocky asteroid, which would mean it would be the only second natural satellite to be spotted around the Earth with the moon. And this is a longer one. I won't waste your time with it since we talked before, but that's some fucking creepy shit. Next, I gotta admit I did some fake fucking news. Bro Matt in Oregon called me on the jerky, and I didn't research it. Mama Gigi gave it to me, my better half. And that was a fake story. It came from a satire site. But when I got it, it was on a news site. So it was fake. Nobody made human jerky. So I guess it's still stuck in that crazy movie that I cannot remember the name. I even tried looking it up. I I couldn't remember what the hell it was called. So that is our news and social media segment. We're now going to go into our lighter fare. And we're going to start with this. This is probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but I put it in lighter fare. This is awesome. G. Flicker surprised a Halifax County woman who lost her sister in an accident and her home in a fire on the same night with a new ABC 13 umbrella. Yeah, they played this all sorts of wrong. 
Somebody's about to get an ABC 13 umbrella who's been going through a tough time recently. So we're going to go meet Mary. The fire broke out at Mary's home on Mill Road in Clover Monday night and destroyed almost everything she held dear. Well, see my home burning up and then and later that night my sister had passed away on her way to my house. Her daughter reached out to ABC 13 about her extraordinary loss. And today, Chief Meteorologist George Flickinger set out to brighten up her day. We have an umbrella, and I've never actually signed one of these before. <laughs> uh, you have your own ABC 13 umbrella. Okay, thank you. To you, bringing you sunshine on a rainy day. George and I got to talk with Mary and three of her daughters about just how tough things have been for their family. Our next one comes from a college. I couldn't figure out what college it was because it didn't say in the video. But it is literally a candlelight village vigil because they shut down their Taco Bell. And, you know, I could have played this political and said, look at these boom bats. They don't care about killing babies and they hate conservatives and the Constitution and yada yada. But um, I, I don't know. I just think it's funny that they're mourning the loss of a Taco Bell. And our last lighter fare, this is pretty fucked up that it got out there. Um, it shouldn't have. NFL retweet, Trey Adams nailed the interview process. Scouting combine is one of the biggest risers in 2020. Jim Nagy, not cool by whoever leaked the video on Trey Adams. That was meant to be seen by only members of the 32 teams. It's not supposed to get out in public. Gabe Inkard, there's a discussion to be had about what the most impressive thing we've seen at the NFL combat is. Trey Adams, honestly, is right up there with Isa Simmons' 40. Trey Adams did only the 40 vertical and broad jump. He finished dead last in each, and after getting buzzed as a first-rounder a few years ago, Adam might not even get drafted, so Trey Adams didn't have a great combine. It reminds me a lot of Zach Streif, who played a long time in the NFL. I hope the man stays healthy and takes full advantage of his opportunity he gets. I suspect he will. But this, go back to when you're in your 20s. He's asked what one thing you can change about yourself. <laughs> I probably would have answered this way too. If you can change anything about yourself, what would it be? Uh, shit. Maybe a second. Bigger dick. <laughs> Which brings us to This Is America. Going to play the soundbite, then I'll break it down. But I wanted to cover some other stuff that came late. Chicago mayor defends sanctuary city policy after ICE says man accused of raping a toddler. He was previously deported. He got back in. They knew it. And uh, they just let it happen. And he literally defends it, which is fucking un-goddamn believable. Next is Jennifer Rubin, a team of rivals for Biden, Cabinet, and others, because remember, she's a conservative. Buttleg, VA, Warren, Education, Klobuchar, HHS, 
Harris, VP or AG, Inslee, EPA, Bullock, Senate, and Steyer Energy. Yang, address Labor, White House, comms. Yeah. Then there's this from a Bernie presser. Quick note from the Bernie press earlier today in Utah. At one point, when a Washington Post reporter raised his hand, Sanders looked at him, pointed, and said no. A terse and striking moment after recent incidents where he criticized the timing of the Post story. Bernie Sanders supporters have started booing reporters at rally. One yelled us in the pen as he exited in L.A. the other day. Not at the same level, but starting to feel Trumpian, and Sanders and some top surrogates have been going after the corporate media with increased disdain. Bernie hates WAPO and blames Bezos for unfair coverage. All I know is that WAPO Sean is one of the best reporters in the biz, and this behavior is the type of thing Bernie himself criticized when it comes to Trump expressing her anger. Omar accuses the news media and political pundits of not being fair to Sanders. I'm not going to tell you the truth about his righteous this righteous man. Omar takes more digs at the press and critics of Sanders. When you allow other people to talk about the kind of candidate you are, it's going to be all lies. So that's okay, I guess, because he's a Democrat. But booing, carrying on, we were told that was un-American. We had all sorts of press come out with PSAs about supporting the First Amendment. And how important it was that they changed all their mottos. Facts first. Democracy dies in the dark. But when Bernie bros do it, it's not front page news. I found that tweet on fucking Twitter. You're fucking hypocrites. Yeah. Big time hypocrites. Two are This Is America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. I just don't think it's going to work. So what I'm hearing is you're going to walk away from an incredible woman because of your ego. What about all the stuff that you said to me about Richard, you know? Let him buy you the sewing machine. The power struggle is in your head. That's different. Why? Because I'm a woman? That's not what I said. But that's what you meant. Why do I feel like I need a lawyer? Maybe you do. Hmm. I kind of get it. Right? It's just fear. You said that this woman's great, right? Cody's kind of great, too, but putting on a strap on and begging him is really scary. I feel like I missed something. But it's scary because it's different than what we were taught to expect. Patriarchy has taught us that men are supposed to be powerful. Women are supposed to be submissive. That's it. So you feel like less of a man without your power. And I feel like less of a woman with it. Mm-hmm. But that's trash. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to peg Cody. Teen drama, the bold type, blames the patriarchy for the fear of pegging. Pegging, as I looked up, 
is a practice when a person uses a strap-on for the purpose of anal sex with their partner can help heterosexual men realize these fantasies. Once again, these are kids on a show. This used to be ABC Family. With dialogue, why did I know that you guys get yeast infections? Well, it's not something necessarily advertised. Like, hey, everybody, my vagina is making yeast. I mean, we were more than comfortable talking about what strap-on cat would be. Why aren't we comfortable talking about, you know, our problems down there? That's a kid's show. Yeah. That's the left. We sexualize children. We push adult conversations down on kids. And we wonder why they're so fucked up. Clueless. Have no drive. Want everything to be free. Because they're tired. I mean, I'm 52. I didn't know what fucking pegging was. And now that I do, I don't want to. No. I don't have any fantasizes or fantasization of having anal sex. That's not something I think about. But see, they make it like it's normal. Everybody thinks about it. Everybody wants to be fucked in the ass. Excuse my vulgarity, but that's a kid's show, so I guess it's not vulgar anymore. That's our media. Hollywood. You guys are fucking fucked up. You're just fucked up. You'll bash the shit out of religion... I wonder why all us squares think that's probably not appropriate for kids. Because it's not. But when you're feeding PPFA with new clients to make money to push your intersectionality, I mean, you're all confused. We're supposed to eat the babies, not bake babies. I, I, I don't even know what to say. So this wraps up. Another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP Podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Our next podcast will be the 8th of March, year of our Lord, 2020. It's this Sunday. Going to give it some time to work some stuff up and... Hopefully it won't be as long as this. Sorry about the two podcasts, but a lot of shit came down. Please put people in uh, Nashville in your prayers. And everybody else got affected by the dangerous weather that happened down here. We weren't the only place that had tornadoes. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune back in to our next show on Saturday. Or excuse me, Sunday. Once again, if you just downloaded this, there's a whole A... It's almost three hours long. So make sure you grab the A portion of 3320. This was the B portion. And we'll have a whole new show on Sunday. As always, my friends, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at Fop Podcast and Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Makes every day count. I'm the sun and the air. 
the shyness that is criminally vulgar. 